<laughs> Did it get big? All right, uh, let's do it. Let's just jump right in. Let's, uh, we don't have to put the first verse up there yet. So we've been talking through, we've begun our journey through the book of Colossians, a book that Paul has written to this community that he has never met. He's never went to visit them. He didn't plant this church. And at best, he knows maybe two people that attended. In fact, one of the, one of the people that he knows is the person that, that continues to give him the reports from other people who give him the reports to report back to Paul, who remembers in prison while he's writing this letter. And so he is... He, what's that? Oh, see that? You like that, huh? It's a new smart screen. I just do that. <laughs> and so what, he's, what Paul is writing the letter for is because it seems to be that there's some false teaching. See, the Millers aren't here. This whole section is kind of empty. There's this false teaching that's been trying to infiltrate the church. I mean, they've been a pretty faithful church. They've been built up correctly. They understand the gospel. But there's, there's some teachings, false teachings, that are starting to creep in. And Paul wants to correct them. Ultimately, what he wants to do is he wants to take the attention off of the Roman Empire and refocus it and remind them that it's Christ. See, the Roman Empire then, is the, it was the mightiest empire around. They did everything. In fact, there are still roads today that are used that were built during this time from the Romans. And so it was the greatest empire. In fact, they would consider Caesar as the savior of the world. And his empire was going to save the world's. And so Paul wants to keep, draw their attention away, say, no, no, it's not Rome. In fact, Rome pales in comparison to who Christ is and who the God, and what the gospel is. And so he writes them this letter. Because it would seem that the people, the people have begun to maybe take notice or listen to these teachings. These teachings that say, you can follow Jesus and you can follow Rome. That Jesus, he can be savior of certain parts of your life. And then the Roman Empire, they can be savior of, of other parts of your life. And Paul says, no, that's not the way this all plays out. And he will write this letter and pretty much tell them, it is Christ and Christ alone that is our savior. But he's writing to a faithful church. And so he's getting it, he's nipping it in the bud very early. Before they just fall prey to it all. Before they just get sucked into it all. Now the first 14 verses of chapter 1, it's kind of Paul's greeting. And I love the way, if, if you read the epistles and you read the way Paul writes, it's very interesting because Paul, Paul likes to lay out some theology and then say, this is the way it looks. Or Paul will say, this is the way you're supposed to do life. And then he takes this theology, these theological concepts and supports it. This is why that you're doing life that way. And so there's this constant back and forth. There's a loop in his writing. So he writes something here and then he writes something here and it just kind of connects. Let me, let me give you an example. Let's put the first slide. And we're going to read some of what we read last week and into 
verse 7. So this is Colossians 1, 3 through 7. Paul writes, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Now, true message of the gospel. That's a very important statement. Three little words. Very important, but we're going to continue on. We'll get back to it. True message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Another very important section of the text. Understood God's grace. Message of the gospel, the true message of the gospel, and understanding God's grace. So Paul comes out of the blocks. He's writing to this church. He's already established himself as apostle of Jesus Christ, called by Christ to serve. And he's telling them, I thank God for you. He, he, word has gotten out about these people and about the way they're doing life. And Paul is telling them, I thank, I thank God for the way this is all playing out in your life. That you have faith. And it's not just faith in Jesus. I mean, that's an important part. But it's the way faith is manifesting itself in their daily lives. It's the way faith is manifesting itself in their, in their villages and in their homes and in their families. It's the environment of faith. And that they love all of God's people. And it's a love that has, that has built a reputation for them. The word has gotten out that this church loves. And so they have faith. And they love. And then there's, there's the, um, that they have hope. And they've put their hope, a hope that's stored up for them in heaven. And so they put their hope in God. They put their hope in the gospel. They don't hope in the Roman Empire and all of the things that Rome can and will eventually offer the world. They're not going to put their hope in there. It's not going to be in the culture. It's not going to be in politics. It's not going to be in the economy. It's not going to be in their job. It's not going to be in Caesar. They hope in Christ and what Christ has stored up for them in heaven where nothing can touch. That's where they find their hope. Because what the gospel says is all of those things that Rome has to offer, those are fleeting. Those will not last. Those will one day fade away. But the hope that we have in Christ will never fade away. The things that we have, the redemption, the salvation, the sanctification, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, eternal life with God will never, ever fade away. And then look, verse 6. The true message of the gospel has come to you in the same way. The gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel, this message of Jesus is growing and bearing fruit. What's being communicated here is that this gospel of Christ is transforming people. It's changing people. Not only them, but throughout the whole world. It's infiltrating into other people groups, other societies, other cultures, other villages. And it's changing them. 
Something is taking place and it's causing this change. And the change is the testament to the power that's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The change that's, being t- that's taking place in the people is proof that there's power in the message that Paul and everyone else has been sharing. Just think of how many stories here of change that there are. How many different, I mean, in our small community here, just think of how many stories of change. We all have different brokenness. We all come from different places. We've all had different experiences. We've all experienced hard things and difficult things in our life. And we all, we all have different sins that we pray that God would release us from and, and take away. The gospel has shown itself powerful right here, 2013, Cheshire, Connecticut. It has caused change in this very room, and that's a testament to the power. I mean, even, even my story. I mean, I, I haven't always been the, the goody-two-shoes guy that you know. I'm telling you. There was a time in my life where I had a little bit of an edge to me. And it wasn't a good edge. I was telling somebody a story this, this past week. and it was, I was reminded of it. Uh, in my early 20s, I remember being in New Hampshire with a bunch of friends. We would go to New Hampshire all the time. We would go to Vermont and, and camp out this place, Buttermilk Falls. And we would, we would have joyful fellowship as you know we were in our 20s. And um, uh, we were in Keene, New Hampshire. And I remember it was evening. And uh, I jumped out of the van. And I was going into like a little gas station type store. And uh, you know, I just plowed through the door. And... Um, and, and, the, and the woman behind the counter, you know, I just walked in, I looked at her, she looked at me, and she and looked at me, she stood straight up, and she took her hands off the counter, she looked and said, don't hurt me. I'm like, she goes, please, whatever you do, don't hurt me. And I'm like, what the bleepity bleep bleep bleep, what are you talking about? Which I'm sure made her feel very at ease at that point. <laughs> And, and, and again, she stepped back, you know, and there's only a little distance between, you know, at the cash register and, and the back wall. And she stepped all the way back and she said, please, don't hurt me. And I don't remember what happened. I didn't go in there to hurt anybody. I mean, I probably needed a pack of smokes or something like that. I don't know. And, and, but there was a darkness that I carried around in me. There was an edge that I had that wasn't of Christ. And the gospel transformed that. That's the power of the gospel. And as I think back, there are other times where I can remember where that that darkness just clouded over me. And that's just a little bit of my story. And I know that there's, there's stories in here of many of you that have walked through difficult, difficult things. Hardship. And some of you weren't the goody-two-shoes that you are today either. And the gospel has changed you. That's the power and the story of it. And some of it's very drastic. And you know what changes. You know what it's about? The gospel of Christ that actually changes us. It's it's truly understanding God's grace just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. 
It's understanding the grace of God that begins to transform us. We don't do it. We can't transform us. It's understanding the grace of God. Maybe we could say it this way, that when we understand the nature and the character of who God is, we begin to be transformed. And the more we understand the nature and the character of who God is, we are being transformed to greater and greater degrees. And Paul, Paul's going to tell us, what does that transformation look like? Well, it's, it's faith being lived out. It's, it's loving all of God's people. It's hoping in something that's worthy of the hope that, that we have, worthy of the, worthy of the hope that, that we've been called to. I mean, do you see the loop? Truly understanding God's grace, what's that look like? We go loop back to the top. And it's about the love you have for the people and the faith that you have and the hope that you have. God, uh, Paul presents this theology of grace and understanding God's grace, understanding who God is and what does that look like. It, it manifests itself in love and faith and hope. He presents what it looks like and then he backs it up with the theology. Paul will mess with you that way if you're not careful. There's another, uh, he continues on in, in the same way. Let's go to the next slide, Jaron. This is uh, 9 through 14, first, um, Colossians 1. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continue to ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him, please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. So once again, Paul is telling these guys, <laughs> this church, man, we, we haven't stopped praying for you. He has people, and they haven't stopped praying for them. And he tells them, he tells them what he's praying for, that they would be filled that, that, that we, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. He's telling them that we pray that you will understand the nature and the character of who God is. And Paul knows that the only way that we can begin to understand that is through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. We don't get to understand that by ourselves. Paul knows it can only come, only come from the wisdom of the Spirit that's alive and well living within us. You know what that means is we can't, we can read and study and we can know about God. You can go to Bible studies, you can come to church, you can read the word, and you can know about God. But that doesn't necessarily mean you know him. 
You can know all about him. You can tell me chapter and verse. You can repeat and memorize whole, um, whole chapters, whole books in the Bible. That doesn't mean you know God. I have a, a DVD set series, uh, excuse me, series uh, from a woman who does an Old Testament survey and she studies the Old Testament. Now, she, she says she's um, a woman of, of Jewish faith, but she studies the Old Testament. And are you ready for this? She does not believe that the Old Testament in any way, shape, or form is any revelation of God. It has nothing to do with the divine. She studies it from a point of, of, of genres of literature. She's a scholar in the Old Testament. She's wicked smart. But she, know, she knows a lot about God stuff. She knows the history. She knows how it all intertwines. She knows genre and how the genre should, needs to flow and the poetic needs to flow and how the historical, and she uses these in historical, how the historical parts are written. She doesn't know God at all because it's only the revelation of the Holy Spirit that we can know who God is. And Paul doesn't leave us hanging. He says, I'm praying for you guys, and I pray that you will continually be filled with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives. Why? Why is he praying this? He's praying it for a specific reason. Why? He presents the theology, and he goes, this is the way the theology works its way out, so that you can live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. When we, be, when we have this understanding of who God is revealed through the Holy Spirit, we begin to be transformed, and in that transformation, we can begin to live a life that is finally pleasing to the Lord. We don't get there on our own. It's the Spirit in us that brings us to that place. And it says, bearing good fruit. Well, what's good fruit? Apples, orange? No, no, no. He says it early on. It's about love. It's about faith. It's about hope. That's the good fruit. And all of the other good works that might take place. Good works aren't enough. The Spirit of God makes good works have divine ramifications. We can't even do much good unless we've been transformed by the power of the Spirit. And the power of the Spirit transforms us by revealing the character of God. The character of God, as we understand it more and more, His grace begins to transform us, and then we begin to live a life that's worthy to Him. And then, verse, let me get out of the way here, verse 11, He continues on. So He prays that we would understand God and he says so, so that we can live a life that's pleasing to him and what's it look like that we would bear fruit uh, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of him and then verse 11 being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we may have great endurance and patience now we got. I think we have to hang here for a little while because I want to talk about this, and, and I know I've spoken about it before, but this is so, so important for us to get as a church. It's so, so important for us to understand as, as God's people. Paul is praying that these people would be strengthened by God 
to live in a certain way. That God will work in the lives of his people through grace and, and that grace is going to be poured out and through that grace we will have strength. And so he's praying for our strength. And the strength isn't so we look like some super Christian fighting crime and, and you know evangelizing on the street corner and being fearless and going to... I mean, those are all good things, I guess, if you want to fly that route. I mean, but, but that's not what he's praying for. He's praying for a very specific thing that the strength of God would, would come into our lives and strengthen us in all his power and his glorious might. Very specific thing that we would have great endurance and patience. Okay, this is not for your children, okay? There's something different going on, something much deeper going on here. He's praying for great endurance and patience. Now, there are people in evangelical worlds that have a perverted idea of a certain theology. And we briefly touched on it last week. Okay, no matter how much faith you have, no matter how much faith you have, difficult, hard, bad things can happen to you. And in fact, they do happen to us. No matter how much faith that we have, they can happen to us. Totally lost my place where I am here. Ah, oh, here I am, right here. Okay, good. And it's not just situational. Like you've experienced this bad thing that's happened. Sometimes the bad things happen and it lasts for weeks, for months, for years. No amount of faith is going to protect you from that. And many people use the idea of faith and God as almost like their superhero. That if I just have faith in God, nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. And if things, things that happen to you, if they're, if they're difficult and they're hard and they're broken and they happen to me, it's because I lack faith. That's, that's caca. In a nice PG-13 way. That's not what I see in the scripture. I mean, we want God, many people think that God is out there just to protect us from all the bad stuff. I mean, we could take the little stuff, right? I mean, I mean, we don't want to ask God for too much. We could take, you know, oh, the car needs four-wheel brakes, it's going to cost 750 but I don't have any money. I just got a bill for an MRI I had for $911. I'm like, really, God? That's called insurance. You're supposed to take care of that. You know, the little things, we can, we can handle that type of stuff. But the big stuff, no, 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 no. God is, he is supposed to, 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 he's the wall. He keeps all of that stuff away from me. It's a wrong theology. Because see what that does is it makes, it makes us the most important thing and not him. It makes us, it makes the story all about us and, and, and not him. We put ourselves in the lead role in the movie and God is just the supporting actor. That's, not, that's, that's poor theology. It's not even true Christianity. I think, I think too many of us in, in, um, in relation to who God is, 
Too many people have a all too high opinion of themselves and too low of opinion of who God really is, who Christ really is. And so that's kind of the, the doctrine of it. But, but here's what I feel. I don't like when bad things happen. I don't like when, when hardship comes into my life. I don't like when hardship comes into your lives. And I know some of you have walked through some very, very dark things. And I've had the, 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 the privilege and the honor to, to come alongside you and walk with you through them. But I don't wish that on anyone. And we don't like the idea that God lets those things happen to us. Because in reality, that's what it is. Somehow, in some way, God has allowed us to walk down that road, through that trial, through that difficulty. And you know, I don't, I don't like that. It doesn't make sense to me in my, in my earthly mind. And I've argued, I've gone to the mat with God. Well, I'm probably flopping around like a fish and he's laughing at me on the mat. But, but you know, I've gone there and said, you know, what are you doing? You could have done this better. That's, that's the humanity part of me. But here's the really hard part that I'm learning through life. That, that if God has allowed it to happen... That if God has allowed it to happen, then somehow and in some way, there's a purpose for it that will ultimately bring him glory. And see, that's, that's hard to get my mind around. I've shed tears with many of you. It's hard for me to get my mind around. But that's the story of God. And see, I, I believe that Paul understands this as he's speaking to this church. And I believe we have to understand it. We are not immune to difficult, difficult things in our life, to hard, bad things that happen. We're not immune. And I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how much of the Bible that you read. I don't even care how much money you think giving to the church is going to to grab God's attention. A little prosperity thing. I, I mean, I don't, I don't get that. I don't... It doesn't... It, it doesn't matter how much faith that you have. Bad things, they happen. And no one's immune. And Paul's prayer for these people, it is not God protect them from the bad things. Keep them safe all the time. What does he pray for? He prays that, that we, that they would have great endurance and strength through them. He prays that the Holy Spirit would pour out through the, the power of God to his people. And that we would be able to move. The, I mean, what a huge prayer. That in the power of God, through his glorious might, that he would pour out to us great endurance and strength to get through those times. 
because our strength truly comes from the Lord. Strength to navigate and to walk through those darkest of nights comes from the Lord. I've said it over and over again that the very one that could have stopped whatever it was is the one that we have to turn to in our time of need for our strength and our endurance, our patience. If hard things not happening was ever a possibility, I believe Paul would be praying for that because he loves the church and he loves people. And if it was absolutely possible, he would pray, God, just don't let anything bad happen to them. Keep them all safe. But he doesn't pray for that. He prays for endurance and patience by the power of God through his glorious might. And, 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 and that kind of strength that comes from the Lord himself through the Holy Spirit, that kind of strength, you, I'm, I'm telling you, you can endure and you can go through and you can have patience and it doesn't have to be through clenched teeth. It doesn't have to be in anger like, oh! But it could, be, it could actually be a place where you have joyful thanks to the Father. You can actually come to the place of joyful thanks to the Father. I mean, it's not thanking Him that you're going through it. I mean, I guess you can. It's not saying, God, this is the, this is the most difficult thing I've ever been through. Thank you. It's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about just being able to be joyful no matter what circumstances and to give thanks to God that he is our God and he will never leave us and he will never forsake us and he loves us beyond what we can ever, ever imagine. We can always be thankful for that, that in the darkest night that you have ever walked through, that the Lord your God will walk with you side by side and he will strengthen you and he will give you what you need and you might not see it while you're in it, but when you get to the other side and you can look back, you can see the evidence of his strength and his power and his glory and his majesty working in you and around you and through the situation and I believe that even sometimes in this lifetime we're never going to fully see that and understand that but when we stand with him in glory we might get it we might get it and I know maybe for some of you this just sounds stupid Thanking God. When it hits the fan, really, I'm, I'm going to thank God. I mean, is it, is it possible? Is it even a reality? Well, we have to circle back up to the beginning. I mean, how do, you, how do you come to that place of being thankful? It's when we are filled with the knowledge, the character, the nature of who God is. Because when we are filled with that knowledge of his character and his nature and all of that grace, so his grace is connected to the character and nature of God. When we are filled with that, that is what transforms us. That's the transformative power of the gospel. And that only comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit to us. 
the Lord is revealed by the Spirit. We begin to grow and understand in that revelation of who God is. Transformation takes place. And then we get to the point of being able to live a life that's, that's pleasing to Him. Living the life that's pleasing to Him, that's at the end. All of this God stuff takes place at the beginning. And then, and then we get there at the end. Then we can say, God, I'm going to praise you through this storm. Even though this is the worst time of my life, I know you are good. That just doesn't come from your own inner being. That doesn't come from reading an Oprah Winfrey self-help book. That doesn't come from Olstein's Your Best Life Now book. That comes from the spiritual divine revelation of who God is that begins to transform us. See, that's a, that's a hard doctrine to get our minds around. It's not easy. But see, we're all going to have to be there one day because sometimes life is so hard. And somehow in that hardship that God has allowed, it's for a purpose to bring him glory. Because God's not some mean dude looking down going, how can I mess with him now? How can I mess with her? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to ruin her week. This is going to be awesome. Gabriel, watch this. It's going to be awesome. That's not who God is. Paul says in verse 9, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. We're continually asking God that you would better understand his character and his nature through the revelation, the power of the Holy Spirit. And there's this continuing work that takes place and that's going on in us. Let me tell you something. You don't understand and know God. I mean, really know God because you said some prayer when you were a kid. You don't, you don't know God because you, you, you're at church all the time. God, God almost, He gives us the very things that we need. It takes the revelation of who He is to transform us. And so what does He do? He gives us the Holy Spirit to reveal to us who He is so that we can be transformed. The very thing that He requires from us, He gives to us. But see, we have a, I really believe that we have an active role in all of this. And it's the role of surrender. Are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to surrender who you are, what you want, your agenda? Are you willing to surrender to the Spirit? Are you willing to surrender to prayer? Are you willing to surrender to the Scripture? Because it's in that surrender the Holy Spirit is almost invited in and says, ah, now we can begin to work. 
you cannot change the outward until, until the Holy Spirit transforms the inward. Why do you think that we have, there's so many mean, crabby, miserable people that attend church. I mean, not here, but in other churches. Why do you think there's so many crabby Christians out there? Because, yeah, they may possess salvation, yet they might be going to heaven, but they have yet to open themselves to the revelation of God through the Holy Spirit to be transformed into something new. Verse 13, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Let me go back. No, go back to the other, I'm sorry. I'll start at verse 12. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. It is the Lord our God that has qualified us. He has allowed us to come into the kingdom. I don't come and stand before God because I am a good person. I don't come and stand before God because I am a pastor. I don't get to come and stand before God because I have finally conquered all of the sin in my life, and now you're looking at the one person in the world who is now ultimately sinless. I don't come and stand before God because of those things. Because those things, well, the first two might exist. I am a pastor. But the the third one definitely has no chance of ever coming to fruition. I stand before God because of the work of Christ on the cross, period. I stand before God because of the grace that is poured out to me because of the blood that Christ shed on the cross, period. That's why I can enter into the kingdom of the Son whom He loves. That's why I have the redemption that I have and the forgiveness of sin. It's, it's not possible with me. But all things are possible with Christ. It's not, I don't, I can't muster it up. And again, I, I see this. God gives us the very thing that He requires of us. I was trying to think of a, an analogy, and I, and I thought maybe, okay, so, you know, you want to go to a Springsteen concert. I know you all do, but it's mostly, they're mostly sold out. And so you have no ticket, and you're going to the Springsteen concert. Maybe we're going, like, and it's, and it's like the Born to Run days, like when he was good. And, and, and so it's been sold out for weeks. It's at the Meadowlands, so it's been sold out for months. And you don't have a ticket, and you go up to the gates. And the ticket guy at the gate is looking at you as you're coming. And you're just walking up. And you get to the ticket guy and he looks at you and he just hands you a ticket. And you take the ticket and you look at it. And you hand it back to him. And you walk in. God gives to his people the very thing that he demands from us. Because we can't get it on our own. We got nothing, man. He pours out his grace through the cross of Christ. That we can enter into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of the Son that He loves, that we would know redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He has made the way. And He's made this way not just, 
He, he's made this way that, that we would make much of him and that we would, um, that it would create in us a desire to worship him. Create in us a desire to worship him. He's paved the road. He's opened the gate in spite of us, not because of us. Are you tracking with this? This is really important for us to get. Very important for us to get. You don't qualify. You don't make the cuts. You are not good enough. But because of Christ, you've been qualified. Because of Christ, you are good enough. Because of Christ, you have been invited in. And you can know forgiveness. And you can know redemption. The Holy Spirit of God and all wisdom pours out to us the revelation of God's will. The nature and the character of who God is. And as we begin to understand that more and more and more. We undergo deeper levels of transformation. And it's the understanding of who God is and the transformation that we experience through that by the power and the revelation of the Holy Spirit that we are able at all to live a life that pleases Him. Lord, I want to thank you for your word and thank you that you caused it to be written. I pray that we would understand this very simple truth. It's all about you. I pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon our church, that we would grow in the knowledge and the will of God, that we would grow in our understanding through the power of the spirit of who you are, of, of your nature, of, of how you uh, how you operate in, in our lives, that we would understand you on a very, very deep, deep level. And that through that understanding, we would continually be transformed in deeper and deeper ways. And that ultimately, because of that transformation work that you're doing in us, we would bear much fruit in good works. We love you and we praise you. And it's in that precious name of Jesus that we stand before you. Amen.